episode 231 of the Anarchist News Podcast, a digest and or conversations on anarchist activity, ideas, and conversations from the previous week on anarchistnews.org. What's new this week? Operation Primateo update from infernourbano.noblogs.org, translated by Act for Freedom Now. Quote, on 20th September at the Court of the Assises in Genoa, Prosecutor Federico Manotti and the Civil Party representing Rinaldi were heard at the Prometeo trial. 17 years were demanded for Robert and Natasha, and 18 years and four months for Beppe, the latter two comrades having been locked up for over two years in Rabibia and Bologna, respectively, already. The main charge remained that of Article 280, attack with purposes of terrorism, with continuation of the crime and the aggravating circumstance constituted by the offended party in question, two prosecutors, and the chief of DAP. Department of Prison Administration. The lethal element was excluded from the demand, but Article 270 remained for the charge of having acted with purposes of terrorism, unquote. Listed are the accounts to send donations to and where to write the folks inside. A new Eric King poster fundraiser. From It's Going Down, quote, Friends at Radix Media in Brooklyn, New York, have created an amazing poster with a piece of Eric King's poetry, it is a fundraiser, and proceeds will go to Eric's support fund. You can order at the link below, with some details about the poster, unquote. There's also a thumbnail of what Eric was in prison for. Write an anarchist prisoner today. Eric is a sweet letter writer. Solidarity from nudism as illegalism. Well, this was one of my favorite threads this week, if only for the comment, penises are not weapons, which seems like it could be said more frequently. This post from the Nudism blog attempts to make a meta point about fear-mongering and generalizations, at least if I read that correctly. Then the thread turns into some examples of those exact things. Anyone else remember that book called Pleasure and Danger on feminist perspectives on women and sex? Pleasure and Danger could be another axes slash false dichotomy for this week's topic of the week conversation, Beyond Left and Right. Too late now, though. Anarchist Oral History Project from EmptyHandsHistory.com a request for people who were anarchists from the 70s to the aughts. The where? Quote, Spencer Beswick, he, him, is a PhD candidate writing his dissertation on the history of U.S. anarchism in the late 20th century, with a particular focus on love and rage. Spencer has been active in anarchists and other left projects for the past decade, beginning with participation in Occupy Boston and currently consisting of helping to run a Marxist reading group and socialist night school where he lives in Ithaca, New York, unquote. Lol. So someone talk to this he, him, if only to cuss out Marxists and Marx. Record that. The Van of Valmy Street from atake.noblogs.org. Okay, sorry, but I have to read this whole thing. Quote, this is the story of an Ifaj van, a brand new van because it has obviously replaced the one that, as we read, was burned earlier this year in the same area. A brand new van, therefore, which ends up burning. An Ifaj van is most often used to build cages, sad cages with colors that sound false, cages to get us used to conformity, to prepare us for work and to play the social role we have been assigned, cages that are depressing or full of noise and lights that make our heads spin, supposed to motivate us to waste our time and energy in occupations that are too often useless or harmful. Falsely welcoming cages to fill with trinkets to park us when we are not busy producing or consuming, to hide the emptiness that our life has become. 
gloomy cages with barbed wire and bars when we don't want to or can't play the social role we have been assigned. Sanitized cages to try to prolong this existence when it is the very life that is missing. The characteristic of this existence is its absence of life, replaced by a set of objects and more or less obliged occupations. But there will always be someone to avenge this life that is taken away from us, because the only dignified life in a society that prevents us from living is the destruction of this society. So this is the story of the Ifage van that was set on fire on Sunday night, 27 Rue de Valmy in Montreuil. This is the story of a van that will not be the last one to go up in smoke. Solidarity with Boris, with Toby Schoen, imprisoned in England and with the three Italian anarchists currently on trial and facing many years in jail. Long live anarchy! Unquote. Sorry, not sorry. The beginning of that piece reminded me of Clipper Ships. Does that sound familiar? No. You ever see Little Boy Tate or Little Man Tate? No. It's got Harry Connick Jr. in it. It's got Jodie Foster in it. And it's got Harry Connick Jr. in it, who's it's got, got all the sexies. Less sexies. <gasps> On Sexual Murder and Policed Sadism by Circle A Critic. Thoughts on the recent resolution, or whatever, of the rape and murder of Sarah Everhard in the UK, which is causing a furor over there, apparently because she was blonde, white, and middle class? I don't know. Quote, as they already did with COVID-19, statists and their cheerleaders are currently trying to repress and criminalize their way out of a social problem. The measures taken by the state will be applauded, somewhat critically, by supporters of identity politics and by liberals, though they are, if anything, counterproductive and reactionary. Most of this activity is of a bizarre goal displacement type, where the surplus unresolved tension, which is not solved by jailing cousins, is taken out on anyone polluted by association or similarity. For example, there is an investigation underway into colleagues with whom Cousins shared a telegram group, a process reminiscent of the Chinese social credit system, where individual guilt also contaminates one's social media associates. There are new measures for earlier interventions against exhibitionists on the basis that Cousins may have progressed from exhibitionism to murder. Most exhibitionists do not go on to murder. Unquote. Circle A Critic is always worth reading. This piece discusses cops as gangs, problems with gangs, rape, misogyny, COVID responses, identity politics, and a lot more. So wide-ranging. Censorship applied to anarchist Alfredo Cospito from Act for Free. A very brief note that Cospito is not allowed correspondence for three months. Unclear when it started or will end. Updates will be coming. Fucking write an anarchist prisoner today. Address given. Anarchism, giving form to autonomy, from autonomies.org. Quote, this post was born of an exchange of letters between John Holloway and Michael Hart that focused on the issue of anti-capitalist social movements and their organization and institutionalization. The letters date from 2011, but their subject remains contemporary, as does the much older exchange between anarchism and Marxism by which we introduce the letters, unquote. Okay, in general, I love this kind of presentation an exchange between two experienced, literate people about a topic they both are committed to, but in this case, meh. I'm sorry all you folks who need to be reminded that Marx and most Marxism sucks. However, this thread has my vote for best comment of the week, though it's too long to read here, by Lea Non Hangover. Check it out. Jacinto Lives, Memories from St. Louis, from Kate Sharpley Library, a lovely and charming obituary for an anarchist historian who focused on Magon from some folks who stayed in touch with him from St. Louis. 
We should all get and deserve such remembrances. Safe travels, Jacinto. We are winning battles for the freedom of Gabriel Pombo. From Anarchia.info, translated by Act for Freedom Now. A post about a talk given in Oviedo by Pombo's companion, Elisa Di Bernardo. Quote, Never using drugs, being very clear about his ideas, and his physical and mental strength have helped him survive in prison despite the fies. Almost all of his comrades have died. He survived a genocide. Unquote. D. Mark D. Bernardo talks about the overwhelming percentage of prisoners in the Fives, a prison inside prison, who have died, about Pombo's life, and about prison life in general. Well worth reading, especially as we are, or will be, in prison. Pepe, Robert, and Nat acquitted from roundrobin.info, translated by Act for Freedom Now. Quote, while awaiting further contributions, we are publishing the news of the acquittal of Beppe, Robert, and Nat in the first instance of the trial for Operation Prometeo. According to the newspapers, they were acquitted, quote, for not having committed the deed, unquote, with the formula of insufficient proof. While they were waiting for the sentence, comrades did a gathering, which transformed itself into a demo, unquote. Good news. Woo. Roiman Rodriguez in the Fred- Federación Anarquista de Gran Canaria. <laughs> An interview. Why are you laughing? Mm-hmm. From autonomies.org, translated by Julius Gavroche. This is an interview in Spanish newspaper El Salto Diario. This interview is all about the hardships of people, including immigrants, and how the FAGC is being put in the position to meet the needs of those people because the government is not doing its job. Patching roads, anyone? Of course, not saying that we shouldn't help each other, of course. Oh, interesting on the topic of radical tourism, though. Quote, question. And to finish, I wanted to ask you about the statement that you published on Twitter from the SIGC a few months ago, in which you announced that you would stop responding to the requests of activists from different countries who come to you so that you give them accommodation in exchange for volunteer work. To what extent has that become a problem? Answer. Ever since the FAGC became somewhat well-known for its work, every summer is a fucking horror. Every summer, an avalanche falls upon us that mistakes us for a libertarian Airbnb. People from all over the European continent who ask us for houses with terraces or houses near the beach because they can't move, because they are anti-cars, but not anti-aircraft, as the bastards came by plane. People who want to stay in the communities as if they were at a safari and then treat the neighbors paternalistically, holding men and women who already have gray hair and running their hands over their heads as if they were dealing with children. Unquote. Goddamn people. Goddamn people. Don't tell me how to read. Notes on the development of Proudhon's Thought from Libertarian Labyrinth by Sean Wilbur. Here we quote not from the post, but from Humanisferian's comment in the thread. Quote, the way to be rid of Proudhon is pretty obviously not to cling doggedly to the bits cherry-picked by Marxists in their attacks on anarchism, which are generally pretty poorly researched, or to amplify the partial interpretations already common among anarchists that are favored by capitalist and nationalist entryists. For anarchists who aren't simply done with Proudhon, or books, or old stuff, or whatever, maybe you're the ones who ought to be up in arms, since the heart of the argument continues to be that we've largely misused and misunderstood his work, so perhaps it simply isn't a very useful prop for whatever we think anarchism should be. Even Je suis anarchiste and property is theft probably aren't what we might desire them to be. That opens more possibilities for rethinking the anarchist tradition, if that's your sort of thing, 
but the synthesis involved is likely to be iconoclastic enough in some of its phases to be indistinguishable in many anarchist circles from an attack. Unquote. Sean is back at OSP Youngstown from seanswain.noblogs.org. This is probably bad news about Sean being sent back to Ohio, as if Virginia setups seem to be slightly friendlier, say what you will, but even short-term deceptive friendliness can be a nice break from overt hostility. Getting transferred always means bureaucracies get tangled, so expect no emails or whatever from him for a while. But Snail mailed him. His new address is given. In fact, write an anarchist prisoner today. Today I'm writing Eric, Sean, and Michael. Woohoo! Four men accused of terrorism from belsat.eu, which seems to be a mainstream Belarusian news source. This is just a legal update about a trial involving four anarchists, Alinovich, Dabuski, Razanovich, and Romanow, who are accused of illegal actions with firearms, ammunition, and explosives, and of committing acts of terrorism. That is about as much information as is here, but for context, listen to the final straw for this week and keep your fingers crossed for these folks. Audio and video. The state, the virus, the far right, from From Embers Podcast, an hour. Guest Dr. Alex Kosnabish talks about a workshop he gave at the Halifax Anarchist Book Fair called You Can't Police Yourself Out of a Pandemic, Anti-Authoritarian Strategies in an Age of Crisis. An urgent anti-fascist activist advises that we don't have time to just work out how to do things better, as we have to be doing the work now. That is almost word for word, fascinatingly. I mean, fascinating for anyone who grew up on stories of feminists being told to wait to bring up their issues until after the revolution. There was no real follow-up to what exactly is being talked about too much, though the implication is that it is dreams and visions and imagination that we no longer have time for. This episode of Four Embers is a portrait of the classic activist. Hopelessness is the tool of the devil, (coughs) the state. The right is winning. We have to act now. Don't alienate or intimidate the outsiders like with book fairs. He does this as he explains that the right plays on frameworks that already exist in the society, which some people might think means that the right will always look stronger. At about 23 minutes, the host aims him back at COVID, about which he takes a standard middle road, vaccines better than the alternative, vaccine passports are also better than the alternative, etc. He points out a few times that the state will pass laws using the story of less popular groups, but use the laws themselves against us, in case anyone had missed that particular overwhelming historical lesson. From Embers continues to be probably the best podcast for good faith anarchist activists. Enough said. P.S. Countdown to mentioning the Zapatistas in three, two, one. Sean Swain's Ohio from Immediatism.com quote, In these four episodes of Immediatism podcast are told both Sean's story of why he was imprisoned and some of the events of his court case, appeal, and incarceration, as well as the history of the state of Ohio. Writing this summary is difficult without major spoilers, but suffice to say that Ohio shouldn't be a state at all, and certainly, by the chain of legal and illegal events cited by Swain, does not have any legal standing to convict and incarcerate anyone. The story unfolds like a high-interest documentary, bringing astonishing facts in one after the other, in building the case that there is no Ohio. The state of Ohio is a figment of collective imagination, and Swain is a highly engaging writer." Corey has clearly joined us in being under Sean's spell. Join us. Be like us. 
Job's great. Cha 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 cha. You. It's October. Oh 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 right. Belarusian uprising revisited from the final straw radio show. An hour and twenty eight minutes. No Sean this episode. Sad face. This update about the situation in Belarus is fucking bad news, as is to be expected with a dictator like Lukashenko. For those who missed it, Lukashenko had a commercial plane rerouted to Belarus in order to yank a passenger off the plane, and that only got attention because it was so outrageous. Repression continues to this day from protests that happened a year ago. The speakers here are articulate and informed, worth listening to, in particular as a snapshot of a country that is realizing that everyone is affected by tyranny, not just the expected outsiders. Some good analysis about how liberals deal with utter failure. Videos from the Trash Dimension. Quote, we upload and screen videos and films made without money or directors. If you make something like that, send it our way. There's an anarchist-shaped hole in the world of movies. Let's fill it in a gay way. The Trash Dimension at ProtonMail.com, unquote. Their first effort is getting some love in the comments. Good start. Alex Gorian Readings from Immediatism.com. Three pieces from Gorian's collected articles in the book, The Totality is Incomplete. Readings are first, of superhumans and cyborgs. Second is, we want to be great like our crime, the criminal ego, and the struggle in society, on Isabel Eberhardt's Criminal and Renzo Novatore's Toward the Creative Nothing. And third, has the insurrection come yet? My arm is getting tired. A cartography of the coming insurrection to Kuhn and their party. Here, Gorian compares the Invisible Committee to Crime Think, with a better vocabulary, asks whether the imaginary party is, well, imaginary, and asserts that they have fallen for their own joke. Unquote. Topic of the week, Beyond Left and Right. Inspired by an A-news thread that included, uh, you're a leftist. No, you're a leftist. Back and forth. Let's talk about anarchists using the term left, uh, like left and right, even as a derogatory terms. These are boxes, part of a model that has never helped us, and now is so reified that it doesn't serve anyone. They're handy terms to dismiss someone you don't want to listen to anymore. But labels, the right and the left, are no more nuanced than any other identity terms that many recognize as superficial and massifying. That said, models for groups of people can be helpful. So what are better models to use? Obviously, anarchists are familiar with color coding, red, green, etc. What if they were made more interesting? Shading, use, polar dots. We got a ton of designers here. Let's mix that shit up. Or fashions, like crossed punk, hot topic, etc. What would your creative and generous model be for how to understand and talk about differences and similarities? Uh, greetings, everyone. I'm here with Ariel. Hello. And we're going to talk about this right now. Hmm. Indeed. Uh, this is actually kind of interesting. Uh, I mean, there's a discussion here that I've been having for decades with uh, the people around me and various people and it's a favorite uh, late night debate um, you know over book fair weekends and uh, when events are happening uh, but 
this is definitely a different take on it. So accepting that, um, the labels as part of a model are useful so that you can sort for a better way to talk about it. Um, what's a better way to, I don't know, flush out that model, which is an interesting idea. Uh, Cause of course, the problem with the colors is that I often want a little bit of many of them or all of one of them and some of another one. Uh, and so then you're wearing like four pins. Uh, and I like the idea of shading and hues and uh, I don't know, on some level, I, um, I want, it's like, I want, I want there to be a pin that signifies kind of like what your base level um, vision of anarchy is. So I'm, um, I've been an anarchist since the 90s and my, uh, kind of my anarchist mentors were, men, were, were people who had been anarchists since the 70s. So um, I my shortcut is usually that my anarchy comes from no gods, no masters anarchy which is um, different now. And there are uh, people who, um, for whom that's not particularly formative. And I don't care, but sometimes it's a nice way to um, be able to kind of like understand the assumptions that we make when we're talking to each other. Because I think that far too often, we make too many assumptions about the, the things that we that we share or that we believe with people that we're in conversation with because we all use the term anarchist. Um, so I don't have an answer to the question, but I do think that it's a really interesting question. And um, I like the idea of not just breaking outside of, less, of left and right, but kind of breaking outside of all of the formative structure that we use to uh, separate ourselves from other anarchists. Uh, which I frequently find really frustrating um, that anarchists want to focus on our differences um, and not that we shouldn't be aware of our differences, but we are, you know, if you're an anti-statist, that's a really big deal, especially now. And uh, I feel like we don't, we don't walk onto that as often as I would like. I don't know. I think I'm rambling a little bit. What was your What were your thoughts when you first read this, Octavius? Yeah, my my thoughts at first is the. I mean, it's relatable how certain words are tossed around as an insult, and uh, the point where they don't mean anything, like words like, you know, you could say leftist, rightist, or uh, even a reactionary, or even liberal. They're used uh, in the these. Uh, you know, the different milieus of radical spaces they used to discard people and uh, just uh, throw it around to anything that they disagree with. And, you know, they start losing meaning. And the problem is that uh, there's not a new catchy term to replace them. So they still get used even when they mean less and less. So, yes, uh, that's like a notable a notable feature of contemporary politics and you have populists 
either from live, uh, right or left, or you you could even say that a that framework would not even it's not only it, it's no longer meaningful. You could say, um, but I mean, it's still politics. Whenever you're trying to use these terms, and some people either through apathy or engagement with other types of philosophy find themselves outside of the whole machinations of politics, um, at least from their concerns, not from others' concerns that might train them into their politics or whatever. Hmm. Yeah. Um. Huh. Yeah. I, I mean, I understand... One of the things that I find fascinating about electoral politics and Republicans and Democrats is that you never, you almost never meet anyone who will toe their party's line wholesale. You know, if if being a Republican in America today means these 12 things, your average Republican cares a lot about and identifies with a few of them and then probably generally lives in the spirit of a few more of them and then either doesn't care about or disagrees with the rest of them. And the same thing can be said for Democrats. But people... And even in there, very often, people disagree with um, some really important parts of it. So, like, I in particular know a lot of capitalists who believe in small government and fiscal conservancy and, um, the you know, the free market as as a, a political power, but hate the... Uh, the homophobia and the and the general uh, anti-immigrant stance of the Republican Party, but that's okay. It's not, but it is. It's a minor thing. So they'll trade the one for the other. Um, and so, so often they're. It, it just kind of reinforces the idea that they're even, even more so than we think, these are terrible descriptors. Um, or, or it's a different way to say that, you know, they don't mean anything, except that they do, they just mean a few things. But for every single person, you have to figure out what few things it is that it means. Um, and unfortunately, I feel like there's lots of ways that anarchists aren't better at this. And there's, some ways that that's good because it means that you get to self-identify. You get to decide what's important to you in your anarchy and, and make that kind of the bedrock of your, of you being an anarchist, of your politics. Um, but at the same time, it means that even though we know we are all over the map and that probably if you line up 10 anarchists, you're going to get 10 different responses about what's important, what's formative to your politics, where you think our priorities should lie, what we should focus on. Um, we don't, we don't assume that that's true. Um, 
to the extent that there are some anarchists who insist that their hat, like the tent has to be as big as possible to include everyone. Uh, and the fact that there are people farther and farther out on the fringes who agree less and less with other people or, or like kind of the, the, the mass in the center um, doesn't matter. And I think that it does matter. Um, where was I going with this? Oh gosh, I feel like I lost my train of thought there. Um, yeah, I did. I totally just lost it. Sorry. Talk for a minute so that I can figure no, out where no, I was no. going. Yeah, no, no, don't worry. You're not lost. I mean, you just said a, a couple of important things that, yeah, may, maybe they don't mean the the whole thing that they originally meant, but they describe a few things to which we don't have uh, catchier or, or better terms or more complex terms. But it also happens that, you know, people nowadays, there's a lot of, you know, voter abstention and uh, people identify more with other categories from other realms. Uh, you could say cultural, maybe the type of music they like, uh, you know, subcultural even. We've had this discussion before. Mm -hmm. And there's different trending things in social media, different tags. And, you know, some people like to like these identities and you can see it in their bios they make it as many uh, emojis and hyphenations as possible so you you can get kind of like what the topic is hinting at of what you know it's it's endless like you know like the different gender flags you know it's it's endless the type of identities and uh, schemes for categorizations and attributes that you can assign and that get used in you know, when they analyze uh, the social media thing, uh, all these mm -hmm. different attributes. Mm -hmm. But let's say that, you know, the the old left and, and right divide was more clear cut and uh, it has to do with a very specific, specific politics. But that kind of clarity, maybe it's not, not there anymore. And that, I mean, you mentioned someone who was a capitalist, but was not necessarily a bigot. But obviously, capitalism has some, uh, you know, racist implications because of how it's set up. And on the other hand, you could have, uh, you know, anti-capitalists, which are bigots. And <laughs> obviously, I mean, that these are these are different uh, categories and different labels that are. You know, different words that are not necessarily all fitting into a nice little diagram. There's just adjectives that we can use. And I don't know where would you go from there. Well, okay. So you talk about it like that and it, and it kind of sparks another thought, which is Anarchists generally don't rally around, or we talk about our politics, like we don't rally around single issues, but I think we very do often rally around single issues. And I wonder if it would be an interesting exercise to sort people by the, that single most important thing. Um, Cause everybody has their pet project and 
And especially if you didn't assign the categories, if you let people choose. So maybe my creative and generous model is, uh, you know, you bring 200 anarchists together, everybody gets to write down the thing that they think is the most important to them, their issue. And then you start to sort people by those issues and the similarities of those issues. And then maybe within each group, you pick a second issue and you see how much tension there is between people's second issues and whether or not those people can be friends, can work together, can be together. Um, and so somewhere in that first or second issue, you get to come up with, um, you know, your labels, your, your, and then you get to pick colors or, or, or I don't know. So, uh, Maybe the most important issue issue to you is racism, and the second most important issue to to you is housing, and so um, that puts you in a that puts you in a category. And then someone else who their single most important issue is racism, but their second most important issue issue is police abolition. Uh, and so then, how much can there can there be crossover? And so the problem of this, of course, is that it kind of frames everything in an activist sense, and. Um, The sorting always kills the nuance and the sorting always papers over the gray areas, which I am not as interested in because the, the gray areas are, are, for me, that's, those are where the interesting, the most interesting bits are. Um, and the gray areas are where you find the, um, the, the tension that is the most engaging. Uh, but Again, I've already conceded that there's something useful about, about the sorting and about the identification. Uh, but the other problem with the identification is that... I like the... Yeah, go ahead. Are you there? No, no, no. Oh. I, I was just going to say that I like the, the... Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Yeah, yeah I was going to say that I like the... The, the the framework that you just uh, came up with about sorting with uh, single issues uh, in a ranking. And, uh, yeah, it, it, I, I have something to say about that, but I can say it after you finish saying... You were saying that there's something neat about uh, having the, the categories or something. And obviously appreciating the, the gray area, because that's where the, the interesting stuff is. Yeah. Um, and... I mean, part of the sorting is so that you don't always, you don't always have to fight. You don't have to live in the gray. You don't have to fight with the gray and you can, and you can help, um, uh, find your people, so to speak. Um, and that's definitely useful. Uh, and I wonder, I wonder how many like preference checkboxes you need to go down. Like, is it, is it at the third choice where it starts to break down? Is it, a, is it your fourth most important choice? Like how far can you go before you start to lose cohesion so much that we've, we, we haven't actually think, accomplished anything. Uh, I think your, your framework works great. If you look at, instead of uh, things that people find important, uh, things that people are putting time towards or putting efforts towards, 
because you know there's only so much time in the day so there's only so much stuff that people can do and are doing mm-hmm. so i mean most people if they're honest they will say that their number one cause for concern is their own survival sure and they spend most of their time doing that and then after that you have people that dedicate their different whatever hobbies yeah. or uh, activism and some people will all get organized at the workplace, and uh, sure. some people will write, and some people will uh, conspire to sabotage stuff. And then you'll really see very quickly. You don't even have to get to the third <laughs> or the fourth. You'll see the conflict and the differences because right. it's going to take so much of your time to do either that you know you're going to have to make choices pretty quick. Well, and this and this also actually brings up another complication is that are we talking about what we actually do in our lives or are we talking about wish lists? Because those aren't necessarily the same things, right? The thing that you put your time yeah. to may not necessarily be the thing that you actually wish you were putting your time to, the thing that you actually care about the most. And then this entire conversation requires the clarity for an, of an individual to know what it is that matters to them. And I don't actually think that that's as easy as it sounds. And the world is changing. The world is so much different now than it was two years ago. And people's have, people's priorities and the things that matter have changed dramatically in ways that they never anticipated. And I think maybe not necessarily everybody has noticed that what's most important is different than it was in January of 2020. And so, you know, this of course is always the complication with humans is that you have to have, you have to have enough sense of self-awareness and, and it's not just self-awareness. You just like, we just, we so often aren't clear about what we want or what we need or what's important um, or, and then that gets complicated when we want and need things that are, that are in conflict with each other. And, uh, and so, if you're if you're organizing by those, if that's the center of your organizing principle, of course it just makes it, yeah, it just adds layers of complication, which makes me love this because I think the more complicated it is, the better a result you're going to get, the more interesting it's going to be. But the complication, of course, then requires patience, which is often hard, and and the more complicated it is the the harder it would be to apply it to large groups of people or to get more people to participate. And I don't even know what that means or what that looks like. Um, but yeah, I guess it's kind of the best that I can come up with other than I am voting for someone's colors to be plaid because there should just be more plaid in the world. Yeah. That's what, that's what I'm saying. That's what I got. So. Yeah, and that's uh, it, it. Really makes sense because there's so much uncertainty, and people uh, either find their inner compass or or they're going to re- resort to some external thing. So that's why people take all these quizzes, uh, personality <laughs> quizzes, and the political compass to tell them what it is that they think and should do with their lives. I mean, not not a, most people don't take it that seriously, but you know, there's a lot of it that stems from. You know that's soul searching or or uncertainty or whatever, and right. that's also where the the massifying aspect of the 
identities come in because some demagogue with uh, some rhetoric can um, broadcast a very simple narrative that many people can adhere to mm -hmm. because it's uh, more right. simple and more pleasing than their own turmoil or whatever. Yeah, but it's also, like, you also have to get something out of it. Like, you, you, you're looking for some kind of return on your time or your engagement. You know, whether that's, like, a, a, a good, fast dopamine hit or, or a good laugh or, you know. So it's, it's that's what doesn't feel unreasonable to me. And I don't, you know, if we're, if you're going to be really intentional about assessing the way that you judge and sort people um, based on their politics and based on the things that they think. And, and of course, not for some kind of judgmental end, but just for some kind of like understanding of who this person is and what's important to them and are they my people. Uh, you would hope that, that the end result is going to be the carrot. But maybe not. Maybe... Maybe there, maybe you have to gamify it somehow. Maybe you have to, you know, there has to be, I don't know, like a cookie at the end of every step or something so that people, you know, feel like they get a reward or I, I, I don't know. Um, so complication, rewards, nuance, uh, knowing what you want. Yeah, I'm not sure that this has been helpful at all, but it's been interesting. I I, uh. <laughs> I think it's helpful. I have one last question, and okay. then we get <laughs> okay. So now we know how to determine uh, uh, how do we find our people or whatever. But uh, what insults can you know? What categories can we call the people that we don't like if we're not going to use the the same words, uh, the right left or I don't know. Maybe it's a lame question. <laughs> <laughs> I think that. That actually would be a thing that every group would get to decide. Um, so, you know, like, I would like to call all the people that I don't want to deal with politically, that I don't like, that I don't approve of. I would like to dismissively and generally call them all bureaucrats. Because there's not, you know, there's... A a a I think a bureaucrat is a neutral term that is generally bad in almost all contexts um but that's just me uh and um it means many things and also generically sort of means nothing but the thing that it is and so i think that's a good word uh but um i think each group gets to decide that what's your word no that that's a great word uh i was thinking of the word uh boring calling someone boring But the problem with that is that there's uh, a lot of people having an awful lot of fun doing things that you would uh, disagree with. It's true. And and you get even more mad when they're having more fun than you <laughs> doing the, the wrong thing. So it's hard to call them something. I don't know. It's true. But yeah, I mean, maybe it's not so important to call them something. Maybe you have to like a rock or something. Well, I think we're going to whether it's important or not because it's what we do. Um, and... Uh, I don't know if it's important that your dismissive derogatory word have meaning on its own, or perhaps you imbuing it with meaning is enough. I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah, I think everybody gets to decide that for themselves. Well, thanks for having this conversation. Uh, uh, take care, Ariel, and everyone yeah. listening. Take care. Thanks for talking to me, Attacks.
uh, take care of Anarchy Land. Um, it's starting to get cold here in the West. So everybody keep warm and be good to yourselves. Uh, talk to you later. Bye. This week's podcast was sound edited by Greg. The What's New was written and by Chisel and read by Chisel and Chuckles. Wait, are you Freckles or Chuckles? Oh, right, no, Chuckles. I'm, I, I like Chuckles better than Freckles until I come up with something else. And we thank Octox and a friend for their help with the topic of the week, Beyond Left and Right. We hope this podcast is useful to and fun for anarchists and the anarcho-curious. Give us feedback and constructive criticism by email at podcast.anarchistnews.org for more information and usually some good commentary. See you at your favorite non-sectarian anarchist site, anarchistnews.org. <laughs>